As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Guys, uh... Thank you for joining today. Uh, I am um, I'm a few days older. Actually, uh, it was my birthday a couple of days ago, which that's random. Um, but welcome back. Very uh, excited to be uh, speaking into the mic for you guys as always. But I'm even more excited because I really do have a special guest today. Um, we have known each other for a long time. Uh, we both started comedy right around the same time period if I'm not mistaken you can check me on that in a second but um, this particular fella is not only talented uh, but works very hard he is already successful and he's going to uh, continue to be successful you guys may already have heard of him um, Kyle Ayers in the house baby hello well here we are back again <laughs> <laughs> yeah we tried doing this once just right? due to scheduling discrepancies and yeah. you know Con- contractual obligations that we both had elsewhere. We had to wait six months. You know what? Not only better late than never, but I, I think that um, I think we agreed at the time that hey, let's get it right when we do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's better to get it right than do something that's premature. And, and oh, I'm all about letting stuff incubate to the right time. Yeah. You really want to let it be the right first thing. Yeah. Because it's hard to get a second chance with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, this. This podcast has been incubated. There we go. <laughs> it's a little egg. Yeah, I think that's a good philosophy uh, in general. Uh, you know, in life, in the entertainment business, um, I've often it's hard to get a second chance in things. It, I've, I've I've been told by people and sort of sat and simmered in my head the idea of being able to fail anonymously is very important in comedy. And once you're really successful, you kind of lose the opportunity to right. do that, right? So if you look at like where we're at and what we do, we can go and we do stand-up on these shows, and if we're allowed to experiment and, and try and fail, and no one's going to be like, well, could you believe what I saw Kyle do and it's not working? <laughs> we're not going to lose anyone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's this anonymity. It's like almost a positive thing to have, and that's the good part about New York. I agree. And Versus if you're Bill Burr, and you yeah. go up on stage and you, you you working on something and you say something and you see it all the time. Yeah. People, I got video of so-and-so saying this insensitive. I got video of so-and-so. It, yeah, it's, it's in the middle of a process, but they just don't have the luxury of being able to fail anonymously anymore. Yeah. I uh, I completely agree. Uh, we get to be comedic phantoms. Yeah. 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 And there's less pressure. It's kind of nice. Yeah. And you don't um, have to worry about all the pressures of having money or getting to eat every day. You know what I mean? It's just nice. <laughs> it's nice to just look. <laughs> um, but I think you're you're uh, you're uh, you're achieving some success, though, Kyle. And uh, you know, not to put pressure on you or anything, but I, I'm sure that you're there's certain shows probably that you do where you're like, this one matters more. Whether there's more people in the audience, oh yeah, certain people definitely. You kind um, of um, every year I've looked back and because I'm always mad about where I'm at. I always wish I was doing something else. I always wish I was working on something more. But then if, if I were to look back a year, me a year ago would be kind of blown or kind of like excited about where I am at almost today. any point. Yeah, today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like Kyle 2016, I can't believe I did the math, 2016 would be like, oh, that's good, but you got this stuff going on. Yeah. And 
but at the time it's always frustrating and you always feel like you're not doing anything. Well, um, I think it's good to have the feeling of continued motivation. I mean, that's what pushes us all to want to continue to be successful. So that's a good thing, but it is good to stop, look back every once in a while, pat yourself on the back. I'll pat you on the back for you if you need it because I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. Um, so you just sometimes got to be like, you are doing, there is stuff happening. It's, it just is like, there's very few tangible levels of success in this do you know what I mean there's yeah. nothing really cause you oh, it never ends well that is true there is an infinite cycle and no matter what like whether a comedian's career ends because they usually they either die of old age or they die, die of young age <laughs> yeah prematurely and that's yeah. when their comedy career yeah. ends usually you don't uh, really see too many comedians just kind of retire yeah yeah because it's one of those types of things that you can do your whole life and why wouldn't you? It'd be a very miserable thing to do if you didn't like it. Yeah. If you could do anything else and be happy, I couldn't imagine doing comedy. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple things that I think are tangible. Uh, one of the things about you, and I'm not, this is, I didn't bring you on here to, to you know, just. Oh, please uh, do. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not even recording this. I hope, yeah. I hope it's just for me to. Uh, but I will say that uh, you have a really good reputation in the comedy world. Um, you know, almost everyone that I meet knows you or knows of you in the comedy world, and they all just have really nice things to say. That's good to hear. Those uh, are the people you're around all the time, you know? Yeah. Even before fans, you're yeah. around comedians all day. I think that's extremely, extremely important and valuable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having that reputation, I think, is, is really cool. So, I appreciate that. Yeah, for it's, sure, man. It's nice. It's interesting to be back in New York so soon after leaving. It's all... Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, so you just moved to LA. You I just uh, moved to Los Angeles. Um, we yeah. haven't had a chance to catch up since you moved out there. Yeah. How, you, how you liking it? I it, was out there for a little bit. It's okay. I have a car. It is interesting to have a car. I don't mind the driving. I think it's just it's different. There's the goods and the bads. I like that I know how long it'll take me to get somewhere. Yeah. Here it's like it might take me an hour. It might take me twenty minutes. Okay. Because you don't know. There's yeah. two sub. You hit the subway. You don't hit the subway. You miss your transfer. Yeah. You know. There, it's like, oh, it's going to take me 30 minutes in the car. Because you have your GPS. Got my phone. It, it knows exactly how long it's going to take. However much traffic there is, you know. It's pretty much always right. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. Is I think I will be happy once winter happens somewhere else, and I'm there. <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite of what everyone you know says elsewhere. Obviously, everybody right now. Uh, is not excited about winter in New yeah. York, right? So, yes, that makes I'm excited sense. to flee New York in three days and watch winter happen <laughs> from afar. That's I've had awesome. enough of them. It is, it is, I'm just excited. You know, yeah. I'm still getting acclimated, but it's nice. Yeah, yeah. You're still getting acclimated to 365 days a year of sun. Right. right. I would usually take a trip. It is almost exhausting in the fact that you hear sometimes the weather will mirror your sadness. And so you will be having a bad day, and the weather will be having a bad day, and that will be a symbiotic relationship you have with the weather, and you almost benefit each other. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, I can just go home and stare out the window, because the window's just staring out at me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But in Los Angeles, if I'm feeling bad, then I look outside, and it's 78 and sunny, and there's, like, two birds, like, riding a sonnet, and there's just a bunch of people lying around and eating and being healthy and being... Then I'm like, well, how am I supposed to be a sad piece of shit inside today <laughs> if outside is still wonderful? 
Well, I think you're selling out L.A. right now to people. For yes. anybody listening, they're like, man, I, w- I want to move to L.A. Will I learn to surf? Probably. How else will I get around? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And then it's uh, there's a lot of comedians I know out there. It's nice to see people. And there's an interesting New York bond of comedians from New York living in L.A. where we tend to latch to each other. Good. And just be like, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Well, I mean, we've been doing it so long now. I mean, I think... We started... Did you start stand-up at Mizzou, or did you start before that? No, at Mizzou. Maybe a couple okay. of years into being there, yeah. Okay. Okay, so then you started when I when I thought yeah. you did, um, which it, we've it, been doing it for a while. And even there, it's so infrequent. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're building every stage time you have there, which is yeah. a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, that was, I would say, you know, somewhere around 2008, 2009, like something like that is when I really got into it. Yeah, and you were doing improv before that with uh, Comedy Wars. Yep, doing the improv, and that was fun too. That was how I first met you, actually. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was watching Comedy Wars. I never did Comedy Wars myself, uh, but Austin Huff, who's been on this podcast a couple of times, we've even talked about you. Um, that's where I first saw you, and I was like, uh, you know, there's we all have our own unique... Uh, funny bones right we, for me I can tell if I think a comedian is good and why he's successful but I may not necessarily th- like him personally sure. or think he's my funny bone it, hit, it doesn't hit my funny bone um, and then there's just certain comics that make you laugh you were the one you were one of the comedians there I remember uh, uh, the first time you get I think you were like someone you were doing that game in improv where you write down a word on a piece of paper and there's multiple pieces of paper oh yeah yeah and you, you fill them in as like random lines yeah, throughout the scene yeah it's fun uh, you the way you acted it out and just the timing of it was impeccable and i was like this guy's freaking funny yeah you know? so. <laughs> that was really fun i kind of lucked into comedy wars and everything and it really started this big change in my life comedy was i always was interested in comedy and thought it was but it was never seemed like a job yeah never seemed like an accessible thing to do and comedy wars sort of eased into that yeah for the most time of it it didn't really seem like that yeah it just seemed like you you just signed up for recreational purposes kind of and kind of just signed up to go hang out at the audition didn't have anything to do had a friend tell me i should do it ended up there and yeah that's awesome um and look at look at uh the the journey thus far right um almost it sounds like 10 years or so for you or for yeah if you count the improv stuff it's like 10 years of yeah. doing comedy stuff yeah i've been um, getting paid for it almost probably five or six times now it's very <laughs> 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 if you break that up over 10 years that's getting paid almost every couple of years that's yeah. pretty nice hey uh, at the end of the day though um anytime you're honing a, a craft that's truly like artistic uh the amount of time shouldn't matter you know like it's it's kind of like at some point there's if it's good enough there's no way you can't not get paid for it um if that makes sense yeah eventually you hope right and now i'm in this interim sort of like it has been how i've been making my living for three years really yeah oh so the five or six times was a joke oh yeah that's a bit um (laughs) no yeah it's been my job job since 2000 most of 2015, 16, and seven, and then now 17. Okay, well that's freaking fantastic, man. I um, I was just taking you literally. Um, that's awesome, man. I had uh, I worked a long time at the Apple Store on Fifth Avenue, the cube thing that's yeah. underground. And one day, this was probably February 2015. I was just hated it so much that I just put in my two weeks like angrily. Yeah. And then I was like, well, we gotta figure this out now. We gotta figure something <laughs> out, right? 
And so I put my two weeks in, worked there, had some money saved from there, not a lot. Had a little bit of stock from there, not a lot. Nice. Wish I still had that stock, but I don't. Um, Was that part of their... Part of the Apple, like, okay. stock employee purchase plan thing. Awesome. And they were, I mean, they're pretty good to their employees. They were better, um, and every day it gets a little worse, but... It was pretty. It was not a bad part-time place to work. And, yeah. Um, I enjoyed helping people at the Genius Bar, and it's fun because I could kind of like play around, and it's fun to talk to people all day yeah. and everything like that. And, yeah. Um, but I put in my two weeks and figured it was time to see if I could, how long I could ride with comedy. Yeah. Always sort of planned on eventually having to get. I figured my backup plan would be some private IT job or something, go work for some company at, because a lot of companies now have their little genius bar in their office building or whatever, you know, like, especially yeah. around here on Wall Street, you like, yeah. everyone has their own little thing going on, and so I thought that'd be my backup plan, but I ended up getting, that year, a couple months later, got into the Montreal Comedy Festival, and then from there, kind of, that's when got noticed and started doing semi-halfway regular work. That's awesome, man. That's freaking awesome. And then you just kind of sift stuff together in between, you know? Yeah. Wow. Do you think uh, when you quit Apple, it helped motivate you to want to be more successful in comedy? Did it push I, you in a positive way? You know, I don't know if it was like causation or correlation, you know? If it's like, if it's just a coincidence or if it was what happened. I really don't know. I was, I mean, I was super broke for a while afterwards and kind of just bleeding through savings and I don't know. You know, maybe it's some sort of like survival technique of like well you got to do something now yeah but i don't know well either way i'm not accrediting that you quit apple i was just curious but maybe i I mean it could it could be a thing where it's like because i did something did need to happen yeah and well i mean at the end of the day i do believe that we all choose the direction we want to go sometimes there's external things that happen that push us into a certain direction but you know the choice is up to us and, and you chose that you know you got to be really brave to um pursue comedy in any way i think um and the more stock you put into comedy the braver i think it it requires that's a compliment to me too so yeah <laughs> i'm not just saying yeah. i don't want to <laughs> you know, like and sometimes if you're just on a red couch and a yellow t-shirt with some headphones and glasses on it's just a brave thing <laughs> Like that's for everybody, though. That's not just for one person. That's for everybody. It's for everybody who's pursuing comedy, and we all are pursuing it to different degrees. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the comedy journey is 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 going to be. I think the path, in some way, shape, or form, there's a lot of parallels for everyone, but everyone leads their own path, right? Each each story is unique and different, and that's what makes individual comedians right like, I think it's a tough uh, thing to oftentimes comedians compare themselves to each other in an incomparable thing where you'll be like oh so and so's doing this so so and so's doing that and it's tough not to it's really really hard not to but it, you are right everyone there's so many ways to get to where you'd want to go with anything that it's kind of frustrating to think you should be doing something someone else is doing or following someone else and I'm guilty of doing it all the time I'm like who's this person doing this thing with this yeah. thing I want to be doing that thing and then it's like I don't know them. I don't know their journey. And I really should be focusing on what I'm doing. I think, yes, I agree. Just trying to stay objective about it as possible, even though art is kind of subjective. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think staying objective when comparing yourself to people. I, 
you know, like um, Kevin Hart, for example, extremely successful. Yeah, I think if he sticks with it, I think he could really make something out of this. <laughs> but I, some people might look at him and be discouraged, right? Like, man, whatever. Or they're inspired. Yeah. But I think we should choose to be inspired by it or nothing, right? Rather than be discouraged. Because if you look at, like, the, the specifics, you know, and you break down kind of his path, then you can start to be a little bit more objective uh, about kind of breaking things down rather than just seeing the end result be like, right you can make them like accessible to yourself to understand how he did something yeah that's just someone who worked harder than anybody and he's funny he's so funny he's funnier than anyone and he just worked so hard and when you really look at it like oh he was going out and getting email lists in every city he ever did stand up in and then emailing those people every time he came back and basically doing bringers all over the country and bringing 200 people and then 500 people and then a thousand people and then theaters of people he's just a slow process he's been doing for like 25 years yeah it's not like he just was in a movie with the rock all of a sudden yeah yeah i don't think it's it's that simple anymore i think when i was 23 years old i thought oh you get in a movie you're famous and now you're set you can just ride that wave but it's a there maybe was a time where it was just find your way into a movie but not anymore. Yeah. Now it's like build your. They want you to be do everything on your own before anyone. You know, it's like become build an audience of people who like you completely on your own. It's almost like more ground up work on your own for nothing, and then you can kind of exist in the world. I yeah. guess. Yeah. And then we'll take a we'll take a gander at you yeah. once you have something to kind of offer us type thing. Right? Yeah. Um. That's awesome, man. That's that's really interesting. Um. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't care, man. Um, How are our friends doing? You know, I haven't uh, caught up, so let's give them some love real quick and some shout-outs. Sure. Uh, I just saw Austin on his birthday. Awesome. Uh, Went down to Newport Beach and hung out with Austin, his wife, and some of his friends. I saw some Instagram. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. Austin seemed excited about baseball at the time, maybe less excited about baseball now, but yeah. was very excited about baseball at the time. We talked about the Dodgers uh, in the first the first time he joined this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to do a, an episode with him uh, during the World Series. He was pretty busy, and he said, you know, look, we can do a, one maybe the week after, like... Let's now maybe three weeks after, maybe a month yeah, after. Now at this point, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to follow up with them at the moment and, and open up some sore wounds. But sometimes you got to lose before you win. Yeah. I'm a Royals fan. I know how that went. Absolutely. One time we lost for 30 years, and then we lost, and then we won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were at some of the games. I was at the game. They won the World Series. Yeah. Just the best thing. Just incredible. Here in New York. Here in New York, in City Field. There's just something very interesting about winning a World Series not on your field. Yeah. Because then you're just trying to be polite to Mets fans so they can leave, so you can then run around on their field and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty freaking awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. So Huff, you know, turning, I think, 52 years old. I think it was his 52nd birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was fun. Nice to kind of halfway. So he ruined his own surprise. I was going to surprise him because uh, his wife Meredith invited me to come down she was like he doesn't he wouldn't know you were coming and yeah. then he was like hey you want to come hang out down here on my birthday like just unrelated invited me to come hang out with him on his birthday yeah. and she was like well now you ruined the surprise uh, <laughs> he was going to anyways yeah so it's fun well that's awesome it's nice to see him um, that's great how old is he now about 32 32 31 one of those 32 was his fo- number in football there you go and my number is 31 I just turned 31 on Monday oh there you go 
Him so you I. guys are in your years right now. Yeah. This is when it's all going to happen. This is, yeah, I mean, after this, it's... <laughs> it's all downhill after this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how about our other friends, like uh, the Mizzou comedians? Um, you know, we've got a list of guys, like the Daniels. Uh, I see Ryan, I see Dan Shar every once in a while yeah. in Los Angeles. Awesome. He made a movie. He did? Yeah. And he's working on post production and he's got all this finished stuff. He's, he works so hard. He has a lot of things and like always five or six things in the air. Wow. And he's working on. Um, I'm not sure how much he's around live doing live stuff anymore, but a lot of like sketch and a lot then making this feature film and things wow. like that. Kind of so, just all on his own. So he. Um, he kind of put the he orchestrated the whole thing as yeah. far as whether it's you want to define it as production, directing, everything, acting, and everything. And then he cast it, brought everyone it. in. Does everything. he play the lead role, or what he, did he? I haven't seen it. Um, it's it's really just all him, you know. And then he's it's not just like this film that he's working on. You'd have to ask him to get more details yeah. about it and everything. But he's also working in sketch stuff and shooting sketch things and and writing just an insane amount, like more than anyone I know. And that makes me happy, just kind of keeping at everything. Good for him. Is yeah. he um, is he doing stand up at all? I don't think too much anymore. I'm not sure too much live stuff anymore. I don't think he would not do it, but he just devotes so much time to so writing. Much, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's fantastic. Um, see him. I see Marina every once in a while. Okay. Um, she's up she there. Doing? She was working for Guy Branham. Has a talk show, The Game Show. It's a television show on True TV. She was working for that. I think they just finished. Um, so she worked for that for a while. She worked for At Midnight for a while. She's working for all these comedy TV shows. And she's That's out. awesome. Yeah. How about performing? Is she performing? Or? Mm, I think sometimes. Yeah, stand up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, um, but this is also like, these are jobs that are like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, those are, um, it's the place to be. I mean, depending on what you're... I don't know what her goals are, obviously, yeah. but that's fantastic that she's integrated like that. Seems you know? happy. Um, yeah. It's nice to see people who are happy. That's, yeah, I think. Ryan's floating around here somewhere. Yeah. In New York. How's he doing? Good. He's got a dog, lives with a girlfriend, doing stand-up oh, most nights. Fantastic. Does he do a lot of stand-up in um, Brooklyn? Because I haven't even seen him. He's all over. I know he does a lot of like stand-up New York and some stuff like New York Comedy Club. And then he's, you know, whatever Brooklyn stuff pops up and yeah. living in Crown Heights. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one of these days, I'm sure fate will bring us back together. Yeah, you gotta rope him in. Yeah. Just sit him up. He's free. Yeah. Awesome, man. How about Chris Nestor? I saw him at Saturday Night Live a year ago. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Chris in a long time. He started the Brooklyn Comedy Festival. He started the Brooklyn Comedy Festival, and it's a huge thing, yeah. That's awesome. They do it every year. Uh, this is the first year I didn't do it. I was well, couldn't come back from L.A. Uh, yeah, he works on, with, with Brian Sturgill, another Missouri guy. I think they might still be living together even. But then Chris is running this with a couple more comedy tangential people I don't yeah. know how much Chris is performing he's modeling awesome um, he looks great in jackets you, you gotta give him that <laughs> yeah speaking of comedy wars right um, he was he was one of the guys with you there mm-hmm. um, he said he's doing some acting stuff when I saw him and he introduced me I guess he has a friend who was one of the producers on Saturday Night Live apparently but oh Nick he introduced me yeah yeah one of the guys yeah so he seemed like a nice guy. Nice guys? Yeah. Fun. I think Nick may have moved out to Los Angeles. I'm not oh, too really? certain. I'm He's not with Saturday Night Live anymore? I'm not, I don't know. That was my connection in, Kyle. There you go. It's over. <laughs> well, as long as you're not 31 yet, you'll be okay. I just turned 31. Ah, shit. <laughs> um, as long as Austin's not 32 yet, you'll be okay. 
Uh, um, how about Dan Friesen? Dan, I saw. I was in Chicago in June. I saw Dan there doing a lot of podcasting stuff. Yeah. Um, he was a judge on a comedy show I ran, which was a lot of fun. So we got to hang out on stage the whole show together. That's uh, a good time. When you were in Chicago, you ran that show. Yeah. Oh, that's fun, man. Um, I think that's pretty much everybody. Just kind of pinging in with people when you're in locations, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Saying hi. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably everyone, right? Mm-hmm. That we that mm-hmm. we started with. Yeah, I mean, I was back at East Side, um, maybe in May, maybe in April, maybe in February. I don't remember. Sometime yeah. this year, and the show's still like rolling along and everything. That's awesome. Tuesday night show, people still coming out. Sal's bacon cookies and everything. Wow, it's real wild, but it's it's a cool thing that Dan got going there, and then we all just kind of pushed this thing into perpetual motion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dan Friesen started the as yet unnamed comedy show, guys. Uh, still no name. Still no name after seven or eight or nine. Yeah. Years. Um, maybe they'll get a name for that at some point. You know, the jury, it's just everything's tied up in the electoral college right now, yeah. and they're really trying to. There's a lot of bills, a lot of palms got to be greased, you know, <laughs> to get names changed. Yeah. Permits. Yep. Generic changed its name, so, so that's available it's now. Gonna, it's, it's not, not going to get it. It'll be the same. <laughs> Um, I'm glad to hear Sal's doing well. That was definitely a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, that was one of the, that was an opportunity for some, some solid stage time that we got, you know. Crazy. It's crazy how often we were allowed to get on stage and get comfortable in front of an audience earlier than most anyone else starting out in comedy. Yeah. And those were legit audiences. Legit audiences. That show was bigger than some shows in New York. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you get, you get 25 to 40 people out every week. Yeah. wanting to see it and that's the most important thing is everyone was there for the show Yeah, you get a lot of audiences a lot of places where it's like either they didn't know a show was happening <laughs> or they're tired of the show yeah. or they want to be on their phones I think a lot of people now are just looking for an excuse to say they did something that night yeah. they're like we did a thing so we can watch TV for five days do you know what I mean it's yeah. like we earned it we earned Netflix <laughs> it's all just about earning the currency we of Netflix yeah. we went out the other night oh you remember when we went to that show yeah I do let's watch all of a show we've never heard of <laughs> I spent 14 hours watching a show because the boat is on the cover or something <laughs> But it's all. And once you get sucked in, you can't. And once stop you get sucked in, you have to see what happens to the bloodline. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of people, but I think a lot of audiences watch live shows as TV now. Yeah. And they're just ready to be on their way home. Um, it is true. It is true. In fact, when we did um, when you say live, I think of, I think of Facebook Live, even though you meant in person live. Mm-hmm. So my mind's already kind of. Yeah drifting but when we did our when we tried to do this podcast yeah. last time and i uh, my podcast computer, beta version one yeah uh my coach who interacted with us on that facebook live said that this is more entertaining than tv that's great so. that's a good combination of it's live programming but you don't have to put on pants to go watch it yeah <laughs> you can just be at home well hopefully no one was pantsless watching us yeah. in particular because the hot laptop's not good for your hey. groin but at the end of the day, well, that's true. You, you got the. I was thinking of. You're thinking of a, from a functional perspective. I was thinking from, just because their pants are off doesn't mean it's it's inappropriate. You know, maybe know. they're just comfortable. Maybe they're comfortable. Maybe they just got done cooking. They want to get oil on their pants. Yeah. Maybe they're cooking a chicken breast. <laughs> that's probably what it was. Was the chicken breast? Yeah. Cooking a chicken breast while watching our Facebook live. <laughs> It is such a bizarre, there are a bizarre amount of avenues to try and get stuff in front of people's eyes. It's like a very good time 
in the history of comedy to make things and a very bad time in the history of comedy to have gotten paid for the things that you made. Yeah, because uh, it's so... Anyone, anyone can have the best camera. You know, I mean, for five grand, you can get beyond professional yeah. equipment and look beyond anything you could have ever accessed ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But where'd you get that five grand? Who's watching it? Where's it going? There's a million places to put something in. Tommy Wiseau. Who man. sees stuff? Yeah. <laughs> That's the route we all want to take, man. Um, just the, the most DIY avenue. Uh, that's a shout out for the movie The Room, if you guys haven't seen it, which they're making uh, they're making a, a spoof off that. Like Jedi a scripted Patel. movie based on the creation of the film yeah. with, J- with James Franco. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Is it out yet? Or? I'm not sure. There's something very crazy about The Room to me where Tommy was so has really rolled with the punches so well and accepted what the movie is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At no point was he like, no, 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 it's not fun. Yeah. No, stop. You know what I mean? He's like, okay, this is how this is, and I guess this is where we live now. Supposedly, I don't know if this is true, but I heard he's embracing even the the movie that's coming out now like oh, why would I you not to, i meant to do all these things oh. right like well now i'm done with him <laughs> well, well you know what? before yeah. you make that assessment i could have misheard I but who knows any i'd say i'd rather him embrace it all than him say you guys are wrong this is supposed to be dramatic art or kind of like being offended and right throwing up a fit he's just kind of like rolling with there's it. really something about you create a piece of art and then when is its meaning outside of your hands yeah that's true right i i uh, i completely completely agree with that actually my dad's a jazz musician and I try to tell him that I think this really leads down a, a separate vein but um, artists are usually really hard on themselves because they see it a certain way in their mind and if it's not that way they're like upset but the audience doesn't know what your vision is yeah they haven't seen every draft and creative process yeah. and line and adjustment and paint swatch and note that was played and note that wasn't played yeah so from their perspective they just see the product and if they're happy be happy yeah like hey try to get it next time but like be happy that they're happy you can build off of it but don't hold it against them for liking what that is yeah absolutely i think it's important to not be too hard in that way and it's very easy to say and then immediately we'll be too hard on ourselves about stuff (laughs) it's true um i wonder if jackson pollock ever uh like was really hard on himself. I don't think I don't like this one quarter inch over here. Yeah. The light doesn't hit it in the right. Yeah. People are like, "Well, didn't you just poop on this? In this wall poop?" Splatter. Probably. I mean, probably. Yeah, I'm sure he was very hard. How he viewed his stuff was probably so much different than how anyone else viewed it. Yeah. Because he even saw. You see the process. Like, if you watch something like a sketch or something, I'll, I would, like, edit a lot of sketches, and I could never watch them the same, because I edited them, and I know everything I tried to do, I couldn't, and everything I got. And so I'm, like, looking for that. You're, you're looking for the numbers behind the thing that has no numbers once it's done. Once you finish with a joke or something, and maybe not jokes, but once you finish with, like, a sketch and you put it up online, people just watch this thing all the way through. Yeah. But you look at it as like, okay, we shot this. Oh, I remember that car kept going by and it was loud. Oh, and we're editing this. And so it's hard to really enjoy. I yeah. like oftentimes don't enjoy things when they're done. Yeah. Well, that's uh, Johnny Depp never even watches his own movies. I don't know if he still does that, but he's like... He wouldn't know which character he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he, um, yeah, he said that when he's done with his work, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any control over anything else. And I can't watch... Uh, Stand up, my own stand up. I can't listen I to it. Time. I have a really hard time with it. I have a hard time, even when it's good. Yeah. Even when I like get off stage and I felt like, wow, that was awesome. I don't. I really 
I don't want to listen to The it. second I listen back, I'm like, why are you so loud? Why are you talking like this? Yeah. Were you standing weird? Why are you sweating? Like, it's like bizarre <laughs> stuff. I can hear your sweat, like yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's one of the things I respect about Seinfeld is that he would break down his set every time he did one. Like, he would watch it immediately afterwards that night yeah. and then, like, no. And I think that that's important to be objective that way. We used to do it in football, right? Like, every day right after the game. Right, imagine like, if you didn't watch film in football. Yeah. Because you didn't like how you stood in the pocket or something. It's true. It's true. You get killed. Yeah. I like to rem- If I have a good set, I like to remember how it went and enjoy that feeling rather than ruining it by trying to objectify the set. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I need to, I need to do I that. also hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard... I know a friend of mine opened for Amy Schumer for a little while, and he told me she would watch every set right afterwards. She would tape a set, like even like The Beacon, like a huge set, you know what I mean? She would watch And it. she would go back to the hotel and watch the set she just did and start writing jokes and up adjusting stuff based wow. on a set... She did in front of like a, a theater or an arena yeah. or something. I saw her perform at the Beacon. It's something you would want to enjoy. Yeah. You get off, I get off stage at the Beacon. I want to go sit and be like, that was sweet. Yeah. And she's immediately on working. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, that was cool. I, I saw her perform there, and she was great. Um, a couple other people, um, Jed Apatow performed there that day. Yeah. Um, He's another guy. If he sticks with it, I think he might have a future in comedy. You know. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, when you talked about having a big name earlier and how nice it is to be anonymous, um, at the Comedy Cellar, they have new joke night for those guys, right? So that it's like an environment where... For bigger names to come and fail. Yeah. Finally. Finally is an award, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the guys can go down. You can go down there and and just kind of... The expectation is not finished products. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting stuff. Um, Deja Vu closed down. Did you know that? I did know that. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Have you talked to Matt recently? Not recently. Around when it was closing down, about some other stuff. I was talking to a couple comedians, and I ran into, like... I was in at Just for Laughs in Montreal, and ran into, like, Chris Porter and John Reap, and we started yeah. talking and reminiscing about Deja Vu. Yeah. You... Had a little deja vu about it. A little deja vu, little deja deja vu vu, <laughs> and yeah, it just kind of talking. And then I don't think they knew it closed. I was like, it closed down. And then we were we were just sad talking about swapping mad stories and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a real wild place. I got to meet a lot of these comedians. Yeah, you know, before I was even doing comedy. Yeah, it, it's uh, that was the big club in town. They would bring pretty pretty big names matt was our uh, i can say it now since he doesn't work there yeah matt was the manager and uh, um, eventually the owner and manager of yeah. the of the comedy club in he, columbia he was kind of the the gatekeeper of the biggest uh stage time opportunity in town for all of us um and uh, and then we had the as yet named unnamed comedy show which was like a tear down but an opportunity to be less polished where we yeah. could really grow right you I don't think Matt, you and I actually, I don't know if you mind me saying this, but we got booked together at Deja Vu once, and we got off stage, and Matt just tore us a new asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was harder on people sometimes. <laughs> He's like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we were just trying to grow, I think. But there's also a difference in the type of comedy that people at Deja Vu were coming to see versus the type of comedy that people, like, I, none of my best sets ever were at Deja Vu. 
You would say Eastside Tavern. I'm just too meandery and and stuff. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to. I don't do the same jokes the same way almost ever. And so they were like, that was very much a polished show, like yeah. something like Deja Vu. It's a comedy club. People know the expectation of coming to a comedy club. You're sitting down. This is your thing for the night. It's cl- almost enter. It's like entertainment. Yeah. And it's closer to being music or dance than it is to being like what like East Side was with comedy, yeah. which is like here's people working out these things, playing with the idea of comedy and comedy at the same time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I got yelled at by Matt all the time, but I did yeah. stuff wrong all the time, too. <laughs> if I, I might have a really great set at Eastside, but if I tried to do that same thing at, uh, at Deja Vu, I would either get chewed out by Matt or the audience wouldn't necessarily feel... It, 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 yeah. it took a long time to... I think I'm able to do it now, or at least a lot better, but translating those components well it's still a thing that exists if you're doing a show at the village lantern or something it's going to be different there'll be different audience reactions and a different audience and different expectations than if you're doing a show at upright citizens brigade or something like that it's just different people kind of gravitating towards places that are closer to what they're thinking mm-hmm. and that's sort of one of the there's even like the people have the ideas of like brooklyn versus manhattan comedy you know yeah. what i mean yeah and it's all closer together than i think it's ever been like there it, there's not a massive divide in there's more people who are alt and clubby mainstream than there's ever like you can do both yeah and exist in both it's 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 more overlap than I, I think there's ever been but it does still exist yeah and I would put like deja vu versus east side if where we're starting was kind of like getting to play an alt room at east side and getting to play a club room at deja vu yeah. and so you can, it, it was it's helpful to see both of them and understand that not everything and heck there was even the blue room in the Ozarks if you wanted to do a horrible room like there were options <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got booked out there yeah. together one time yeah. with Tommy Jonigan. Yeah, who is just the funniest person. It's crazy how funny Tommy Jonigan is. Yeah, he's um, been doing well for a really long time. Yeah, man. And Since he was 25, right? Out in Chicago. Yeah, he's just so funny. And he's got a good reputation also, right, in the comedy community. I've heard some really nice things that he's done for people and out of the, you know, just out of the kindness of his heart. So yeah. that's, that's nice. Um, yeah. We get, it was fun to get to do these different types of rooms. You really got to see, like, oh, it's not... If we'd just only been doing East Side, it's kind of a soft thing for us. You know what I mean? And I think it wouldn't have been as beneficial as Absolutely. going and bombing other places, too. Absolutely. And then we did other... Um, I would do the Blue Fugue open mics. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another one downtown, further down. Then every once in a while, I'll do something like the Artisan and things like that. And I remember... Chris Nestor would like put on shows there and catching up with you. Yeah. Who was there? Chris Nestor and Brian Sturgill would always put like a stand up show and stuff like that on there. Okay. Um, what about there was another place that did an open mic further downtown away from like I wish I could away from campus. Yeah. Farthest downtown by the other columns, by the little columns. Yeah, even northeast of that. Oh. Like a street. Mojo's? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's got it's called the Rose Music Hall now. Yeah, I and would, I, it's like replaced Deja Vu for they have a little bit of stand up that goes really? through there now. Yeah, wow. like people who would maybe do Deja Vu, but even people who are a little more alt than that, people kind of stopping through and doing stuff there. Yeah, um, and then every once in a while, uh, did you ever do stand up at Jesse Hall? No. Okay, that was a place that I did a couple times. Um, which was a lot of fun. And then, you know, there'd be, uh, I feel like there'd be other 
Was there anything else that we did? Like little opportunities and stuff yeah. will pop up around. But oh yeah, like rooftop comedy came through, so yeah. we all did stand up at Memorial Union. Yeah. Um, and then podcasts. Dan. Um, Dan ran that. Po- Dan was on podcast before anyone was on podcast. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That was I didn't. My first I learned what a podcast was because of Dan. Yeah, and then I learned how to functionally do it from you. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that. We did a Skype session when I was living in LA. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you helped me out um, in... I've never been a techie guy. Yeah. I'm actually... My job uh, during the day has forced me... Yeah, you have 40 computers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been a techie guy. I can see you three computers, an iPad, an iPhone, a microphone, your big headphones. Yeah. The only non-tech thing you have is the red music stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's It's... Freestanding and yeah. there's no cords. It's probably plugged in. That's probably was that Bluetooth music stand that well, you have. When I say techie, I've never been, um, you know, uh, like I, I don't think uh, it would fit my natural tendencies to, to be working uh, on a Genius Bar or yeah. Best Buy's. You like use the stuff functionally, but you're not like yeah. m- fi- messing with the yeah. stuff itself. But having but being around that atmosphere so much through work and everything has forced me in a good way to become more knowledgeable right yeah. like at one point I was asking you about my computer and I was like where would you rate me in the continuum of tech awareness based on your and you gave me a more positive rating than I would have expected but what I thought was funny is you said some people don't even know how to turn the on off switch and, and some people show up to the Apple store with bugs coming out of their computer yeah so I yeah like, I think oh, people forget that's, that's, that 25% of the country doesn't have internet yeah so if you wonder like what the baseline actually is, yeah, that's true. It's really really crazy, <clears throat> and so being able to get this microphone to work puts you in the top fifteen percent of tech users. That makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. it's been on mute the whole time, but other than that, it's, it has. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching this. I know. Sure Last time was. A you want to pause it and save the file right now in case anything happens? Sure. Let's do it. Saving the file as we speak. All right. Um, so Kyle, I am curious. Uh, I am curious to know kind of what the next, uh, what's on your horizon right now. What, you know, there's always a lot of things going on, right? For each of us, I think, pursuing this art. But uh, what's the top one or two things? It doesn't have to be limited to that. What's what? on your radar? What are you working toward? I'm like really working. So I run a, this show called The Bow Straddle, and it's like a compliment contest. It's like head-to-head complimenting. So like, you know, the opposite of, of making fun of each other type of thing. And we are kind of wanting to develop it into a TV show. And so I've been working with a production company and putting together like pitches and a pilot. And um, we have a live show tomorrow in Brooklyn that is like sort of a presentation and so it's like hoping to see what can happen with this and yeah. it takes up a lot of time and it was a good deal of the reason why I moved to Los Angeles was to work on that show yeah um, and you run it out there as well run it out there as well and um, I'd worked a different live show that I ran I'd actually gone through the process of making a pilot with a network and everything and they just turned it down and it's was just- that the one that I last one of the last times I saw you with Huff out here in Brooklyn and we actually ate at uh, like a small deli yeah. Mike's Cafe or Mike's, something. yeah, that place great. Um, Clint Hill, what's up? Go to Mike's. Was that it? Yeah, I was kind of working on that around then. Okay. Um, and, you know, I thought I was going to make a TV show. I think one thing that is really... I've always... I just... No one knows how... I don't know how any of this works. 
And so it's like I'm, I've always like fiddled my way through everything without fully understanding a single thing I've ever done. And this was like making a television show with a network, with MTV. And they, they wanted to do this idea, and we got this, and we cast it, and it's a big production, and we have all these cameras. And like I'm like, oh, we're going to make this, and then they're going to buy this to be a television show. I'm going to be hosting a TV show on television. Yeah. And then just right after they were done, they were like, we don't want to make this. And so I just I was like, what? what? And like, yeah, we just made the pilot. We don't like it. And it's like, okay. That's what happens. And they're like, what do you mean? We don't want it. It's like a weird, you feel like something, like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to pay off college. I'm going to like get, be able to like live in a better place and like be happy. You know what I mean? Like get like this giant debt monkey gone and like have any, and then I'll be able to like get booked better because they'll be running the show. And I'm like thinking 80 steps ahead. And then just like the second we're done, they're like, we're done. We don't want it. And the guy who worked at MTV, who was into the show left MTV. And so I was like, well now there's nothing here. And so then it was just some film somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It's just a pilot sitting on a computer. Do you have access to that and the rights to it? And I do. And okay. we took it to another company who helped shop it around. And we shopped it around to a lot of networks. Everyone said no. Everyone. Everyone said Did no. Did you a lot try of people every were, network? Pretty, I mean, anything. And this is like, it's exhaustive. I mean, like a dozen places. I, I would say, I have a couple thoughts on that. One, until you've shopped it to every network, don't stop. Right. Well, I'm now in the process where I'm like, I'm gonna. I understand the inaccessibility that the show has. The show is like a, about adult film scripts from Craigslist. Like it's kind of not for everyone, and it just really was a wild learning experience for me about how much. And it, all this is is rejection. You know, it's all just yeah. like crazy rejection. This was a ton of effort and a show I ran for years and years and years and years for no money, and then made this thing for no money. And then thought it would be this thing, and then nothing came from it except me learning the process. And maybe that's fine. Maybe that's enough to come from it, is me understanding what the process is, even if it's to lead to rejection. And now I'm kind of going through the whole thing again and and thinking, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. It's also like there were options to do something with the show where I would be taking a different role or a lesser role. And I didn't really want to sacrifice what I thought the show was in my head just to have it be something somewhere. And who knows if that was the right choice. I think it is. I think it is. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that, that gut instinct that you have of how you want to portray your art, um, I think you should always listen to that. We should all, everyone should, right? Um, whether Nobody can define that but you. Right, um, but if you feel like something's compromising that's integral to, to how you want it to be portrayed, then yeah, you know, hey, better late than never, right? Sure. Including this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it will happen. I I would lay a strong bet on it. Um, I'm not saying with that show specifically. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. I, I do agree with you from the positive perspective that the worst possible case scenario is that it's a gigantic learning experience and you know just like you said kind of navigating out of your instincts through that entire process man the knowledge that you gain from that is is invaluable yeah. you know I think and also at the end of the day I think that's what makes you know when, when CEOs are visionaries right and in a way I think a comedian is kind of their own CEO because it's their art they're, they're doing their thing I, I think that you kind of have to partially go off to your instincts if you wait until you get all the data and you learn everything every time then you're going to hold yourself back from, 
from moving forward. Um, so I'm excited to see whatever is next, whether it's that or or something else. Something, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of keep moving around. Immediately, I'm in Chicago this weekend. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, doing Zanies in Old Town, oh, yeah. which is a super awesome club that I've never performed at. Um, is that the one uh, by Second City? Mm-hmm. Um, is Bert still? We don't need to say his last name. Probably. Oh, okay. It's all through my agents booking it and everything. Oh, okay. The only time I ever was supposed to do a show there was they did like the Monday or Tuesday night like New Face uh, Rising Showcase yeah, yeah. thing and I got signed up to do it and then I was like two minutes late and I just got yelled at and they didn't put me up. <laughs> I was actually was two minutes late to being 45 minutes early. Was that in college? Uh, it would have been right after college. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic, man. Uh, good luck. Tear it up. Thank you. I'm excited to get back to Chicago for a weekend. What's the name of the show that you're doing? Zanies. It's just me doing stand-up. I'm just headlining oh, wow. for Headline, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday. Yeah, five huh. shows. That's fantastic. I, I haven't seen you in a while. I think it'd be awesome to see some of your stuff, man. Um, it'd be really cool. Yeah. I'd like that. Um, cool. So if you guys are in Chicago, go check him out. He'll be at Zanies this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then in LA, do you have you know you mentioned um, you mentioned the uh, the game show? Here. By the way, I want to play the game of compliments with you. Oh, well, you gotta it's all you gotta you gotta free ride it. It's all about like it's it's like I, I started by giving you several. Yeah, but it's not like show. I'm talking like compliment jokes. These are okay. like jokes that fall within. It's like a roast joke. You just don't go up and go. You're fat. Okay. That's just being mean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These people like put these within the framework of a joke. So. Yeah. So um, people will write these compliment jokes for each other and things like that. That's cool. Um, like, uh, let me let me try and... Uh, uh, I'd have to write some. Okay. I, it is like a weird amount of effort that goes yeah. into it where you're almost like, well, why did so much effort go into this? <laughs> no, that's fun, though. It's, you know, it's fun. Yeah. It's niche. Um, yeah. Cool. And then uh, while you're here, you're doing that show tomorrow night. Do you have any other shows? That I got a show tomorrow and show Friday night. I'm doing a stand-up show also at Union Hall at 10 o'clock. And, Maybe I'll check that um, picture. I think I'm booked that night. And then, yeah. That's cool. Then man. I leave for Chicago and then got a couple things in L.A., but I don't remember where they are or what day they are. Yeah. Cool. And then Kansas City. Do you keep City? like a running calendar of your... Yeah. Event? Yeah, it's all just on my website on violators.com oh. and there you go. Yeah. We'll plug it up. If you're in Kansas City, the Saturday before Christmas, I'm running a show. All right. Uh, at at Mini Bar, which is Record Bar, has a uh, yeah. side venue. Oh yeah, Record Bar is the one right there, like adjacent moved. to Westport. It just moved. Oh, they in, moved. Like the last year, it's like on Broadway oh, wow. now. Speaking um, of Kansas City, yeah, but you're there from you go. There. So if you're around Kansas City, I think people, lots of times people are for the holidays on the 23rd, which is a Saturday. You have nothing to do. Come to Mini Bar. Yeah, guys. It's like a tiny venue, so. I feel like I have some KC followers on this podcast. Uh, if you do, come. I got some other friends coming in town from LA and New York, and. Are you talking to me or the audience? Everyone, oh. everyone. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, it'll be fun. And if you get, you want to get tickets because it's it's a tiny, tiny venue. I just wanted to put on one thing and have some fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you for that. Um, I remember I saw you at a, at a small theater in. It wasn't small, decent-sized theater in Kansas City a couple of years ago. I think I was living there at the time, and you came when you were living in New York. You came back to perform there. That was fun. That might have been the last time I saw you live. Perform. Yeah. Oh, maybe like the Uptown Arts Bar or the what it was, was that a place called? Theater. Yeah, it is like a oh. little tiered thing. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. So um, hopefully, uh, I'll get to see you sooner than later. 
Yeah, man. How much time are you doing now if you're headlining? 50, they... 45, 50. Yeah. Um, playing around. Yeah. It was just, did a show in New Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which was a really good time. And went up to do like a small theater there, like 200 person theater. And kind of ended up doing like a half hour crowd work in the middle of it. And it takes a load off me because I don't have to do as many jokes. And I like just talking to people. Yeah. And people also like going to a show to experience something that they couldn't do at home. Yeah. Like the crowds that are really into it, people really respond to crowd work because yeah. they wouldn't be seeing crowd work at home on television. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. This is, we're seeing this right here because we're here. We're experiencing this nowhere else. Absolutely. That's a fun Especially thing. Especially if they're engaged. If yeah. they're specifically engaged. Or married. Oh. <laughs> dumb joke. Dumb, terrible, dumb joke. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Um, um, do you ever see, have you ever seen stand-up comedy that, like, is on either a Netflix or something that, that's been produced where they do much crowd work? Obviously, you'll see a- Judah Friedlander just had a special come out that's really, really funny. The world champion of Judah. Yeah, yeah. And it's on Netflix. And Todd Berry has a special called The Crowd Work Tour. Is where he just does crowd work in like four or five different clubs and it's really really funny too wow that's awesome does Judah Freelander is that one where it's like the camera's zoomed in on his face it's pretty close it's all shot at the, it's in black and white it's shot at the comedy cellar in okay. Village Underground yeah. I, uh, I I started watching that the other night yeah. actually for it gets months. real weird but it's fun it, like, <laughs> it does a good I think lots of times comedy specials don't do a very good job of capturing who someone is so like Judah is such a unique personality and such a unique comedian this does a good job of getting him Mm, good that's great um part of that do you think part of that is just the medium that it's shot or do you think that's the way the person writes their material or both a combination of that and then like how the person if they're big with improvising or big with crowd work that stuff doesn't always translate to shooting something and i just think sometimes there's just so many different styles, and longer, meandery styles don't often translate to quick clips that are shared around on the internet. Versus someone who's like, ah, you know that? With that and that. Like someone with like very particular style of setup punch can translate pretty well to 30 seconds on Instagram or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it's, a, it's all interesting stuff, right? The different mediums and how they can affect... Um, how they can affect the comedy uh, and the, and just maybe the comedy voice in some ways, right? If it's too short, you might be missing out on the opportunity to get to know somebody. Um, how about any late night? I think I saw that uh, you tweeted recently that you were sending some stuff to a booker for a late night. Are you doing a late night spot? No, I'm always working on trying to get tape for one of those, but just do you have a tape for it yet? Or? I do bad when I try and get tapes. There's like a magic of like it will bomb when I'm trying to get a tape. Because I think people can tell I'm not paying attention. You're just going up there and kind of... So you have to be very particular with these things. Yeah. And so I'm not. Like I like to play with how the room is and feel how the crowd is and do sort of like adjust on the fly. But with when you're making a set for something like a late night booker, they want to see the same jokes. Because you, you can't riff on TV. Continuous. Right. They want to see it how it will be on TV. Yeah. And I just... All material, basically. Beginning to end all Beginning to end. And I do a very good job of finding a way to not do that every time. <laughs> well, keep the cameras on. Yeah. You know? You never know when something will... When the magic will be captured. Yeah, man. I mean, I just taped this New Hampshire show, and it was an hour, and I was trying to get a half-hour tape, and then I did all this crowd work, and it's like, I can't use that tape for anything, but it's funny to me to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, you can use it for other stuff, potentially, but maybe not the late night set, yeah. but you can still use it yeah. for something. Mm -hmm. 
you know, even if you just want it out there, right? Like you just want people to have a sample of you on the internet, right? There's no requirements for what you show the public and, you know, yeah. agents might limit that. I don't know, but that's something to keep in the back of, of your mm-hmm. mind, you know? So Yeah, man. So it's also just always a flowing, changing thing. I rarely feel like any jokes are a finished product, so it's weird to me to work on something to put on television. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I agree that a joke isn't a finished product. And we're always evolving as people. We're growing, getting older, and sometimes certain opinions might change over time. As You know, um, I think the older a person gets, probably the less change there will be. But I think the joke can... If you, if you stay true to your comedy voice, to your opinion, then that can shift the joke as well yeah. over the course of time, right? Also had jokes that end up being parts of other jokes and melded together and lines here that never really worked that are now a line and a joke that works better or something. Like a funny idea that I could never make a joke can live inside of something else or a story or something yeah. like that too. If only people could see inside of our minds, right? Right. The minds mostly... <laughs> the minds of comedians yeah. that have... Whatever, yeah. whatever, mostly a crying baby, probably. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been fun. Not that we're done, but um, we can wrap. I gotta yeah get to my house eventually. All right. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or no, I mean, this felt good. Cool. Yeah. Well, that sounds like we can wrap up. Though. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, Kyle, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, to quote the finish. To finish the show, I'll quote the book you have under your coffee table, the tiny book called Angels. All right. Jeez, um, <laughs> ah, I can't read this font. Twice or thrice had I loved thee before I knew thy face or name. So in a voice, so in a shapeless flame, angels affect us oft and worshipped be. For those of you who haven't guessed yet, that is John Don um, from Aaron Angels. But you guys knew that already. No, that's I awesome. You. I, uh, I like I that would, whole book. Yeah. You know what? There's one that I do want to... Um, read actually if or I also uh, from pickups and come ons they spelled come wrong but other than that it's fine <laughs> some of these aren't that great wow this is a pickup line from pickups and come ons this you will get hit if you say this champagne can tickle your throat and so can I <laughs> oh man that's ridiculous um that's uh, that's not my book, by the way. I like. Do I make you horny, baby? Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Like they're <laughs> quoting it. Like like it's a fancy quote. Yeah. That is uh, that's hilarious. That's in there. One of my buddies, comedy actually, is the one who uh, who gave me that. Yeah. Um, but I do I do like I do like one quote in here that I find uh, the most interesting of all. So my favorite quote in this book, or at least of the ones that I can remember is be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares a lot of things sounded plural there that didn't need to be but aside from that I think we're good (laughs) yeah so anyway um, it's been awesome having you on the show yeah man yeah Uh, keep up the hard work and I'm excited to continue to follow your journey uh, as I continue mine and uh, you know, I I know that big things are in the future for you, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Pew pew pew. You find this to be the time to have a DJ. <laughs> All right, guys, take care. Thanks for tuning in today. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. 
By the way, am I the only one who's horny?